Hello and welcome back to Let's Grow Girls, your weekly dose of flowers. Welcome back listeners. Um, so this week we are two episodes into the new season and do we ever have a treat for you? I feel like I say that every episode but <laughs> as a Dahlia fan I really feel like this one is a treat for me, never mind anybody else. We've got Christine Albrecht of Sa- Santa Cruz Dahlias with us today. For our American listeners I'm sure you're counting your lucky stars that you can get hold of her varieties because I am not happy that we can't. And Christine has got, is it about 16 years experience of uh, of hybridising dahlias? Um, it of, is. Of the most rare and beautiful varieties. And we are so excited to talk to you today. Welcome, Christine. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I've been a listener for a long time and it's this is just a big treat for me. Thank you. I, I don't know if, who's fangirling more here because uh, like we have followed you for a long time ourselves and like when we back five seasons ago when we wrote out our list of like who we absolutely Dream. wanted you've been on the mm. list from the beginning and to say that you listen to the podcast well you've made our day thank you <laughs> yeah it's great just keep going oh, yeah, i love you. your i love your guests i love hearing you i love your guys voices they're so great <laughs> keep i'm gonna happy Oh my god! This yeah. Is well, thank you for that. We, we we much appreciate it. So yeah, I know all of our American listeners who love Dahlias will know you, and I'm pretty sure um, the listeners from the rest of the world will because you're such a key name now in the daily world, especially when it comes to hybridizing. You're making the dahlias we all want. You know, I can't mm. imagine you've got many yellow dinner plates on your patch. <laughs> No, I don't. I do. I do sometimes bring in a yellow if the form is just right, and um, mm. and then I try to work on changing the color. <laughs> That's what Get I the do. perfect shape, change the color. That's yeah. what I like to hear. I'm, I I had um, one last year. I can't remember what it was. I think it was Asquith Mini, and um, or something like that. That was meant to be like a lovely pinky color, and it turned out to be yellow. And every day I saw this thing, but it was the most beautiful shape. And every day I looked at this thing, and I was like, Why can you not be pink or white? Or some lovely burnt orange colour even, but it was like blink and you could still see it burn into your retinas. It was that kind of <laughs> violent yellow. It's not for me. We call it highlighter yellow here. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> you're, you're, you're definitely in my vibe with the colour scheme for sure, Christine. Yeah, and we, we sell to florists too and they, they're like, please don't give us any of those yellows. <laughs> Highlighter yellow. They'll take a soft yellow. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have ever grown cream Diane. I have it's... that coming this year for my yeah. first time. and I'm so excited. Yeah. So I got it from, is it called Halls of Heden? Yes. Or Hedden? Hedden. Yeah. That's where I got Hedden. it from. And um, it is beautiful. It just pumps out the blooms. It's a, it's a yellow that the florists and all the designers love too. It oh, works I'm really even well. more excited now. It is kind of like um, buttercreamy, isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. on that yellowy mm-hmm. side of cream, but not violent. Yeah, we say it plays well with others. Oh, I like it. I remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, and like you say, with it pumping out the blooms, I'm I'm all for the ones that are busy, busy creators. Mm. Yeah, me too. Let's hear a bit about you, Christine, and your the space that you're growing in. So we know you're in Santa Cruz. 
we were just talking about the weather before we started recording and obviously you're lucky to have an amazing climate there to kind of be able to start your season early but like what is the space that you grow on what's the kind of size of your I love that Americans call it a yard because in in England a yard is like a four by four space that is paved (laughs) at the back of somebody's house whereas your yard is like half an acre or something (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, um, we have, we're lucky to have a piece of property in the town of Santa Cruz that is a quarter of an acre and it's flat, mm-hmm. uh, no deer. It's in a suburban neighborhood, so you wouldn't even really expect it to be back there. But in the area that it is, it used to be old chicken farms back there and oh, wow. people, people even had cows in the old days. But now it's pretty much a suburban neighborhood and then the farm is just at the end. So that's about a quarter acre. And then I also grow about 300 dahlias at my house in my front yard. Um, we Our property is such that we have no backyard, so not even five oh. feet backyard and everything's in the front yard. So um, oh, wow. I took up my lawn years ago um he needs a lawn yeah, yeah who needs great. a lawn needs a and lawn. then there's a little median strip i don't know if you have those where the you, you have your property the sidewalk and then a little place that people sometimes yeah. put trees and things and oh, then the road okay. so i grow i grow there as well so people can kind of walk down the the sidewalk and on either side have dahlias on them when they're walking their oh, dogs in wow. our neighborhood so that's kind of fun and we did that we um added to we added the dahlias to our house because um in california we're in a drought situation and we're allotted a certain amount of water per per um, property and so um since there's only two of us living here we don't use all the water we need and um because every time you use it above the allotted amount you just get fined more and more costs you more and more water more money for your water so oh wow that's kind of what we started with we i actually probably just started i didn't initially start with that um, my son and i were growing giant pumpkins and then mm. i switched when he was done doing that we were growing like 800 pound pumpkins and oh, wow. and we had a bed and breakfast so my husband's like why don't you grow flowers for the bed and breakfast and so i started with some zinnias and i said hmm a friend gave me some dahlias from costco do you guys have costco yes or? we do yeah <laughs> um i said wow these are beautiful he said you should grow these for the rooms and so i started probably with 10 dahlias and now i have over a couple thousand that i grow definitely living up to our podcast motto the hobby yeah. that got out of hand <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and so when was that when we are when did you start with your costco dahlias um, I started hybridizing probably in 2007. We were part of a Dahlia Society. The American mm-hmm. Dahlia Society has different, um, say, chapters in different mm. parts of the country. And we, I, I was really fortunate we have one here in Santa Cruz and some mm. really great hybridizers that were part of the society. So I got a lot of hand-holding going forward. <laughs> and um, I just feel really, really lucky that um, I was able to get that much training from them and so I I think on my Instagram part of the reason I like doing all the education part is like I feel lucky that you know I was given that information and Mm. you know not everybody's um, fortunate to have a Dahlia Society in their town where they can get really good advice from Mm. a lot of I mean some of the growers have been growing for like 40 50 Mm. years and so you know they've kind of been there done that seen it all feel really lucky to have been able to be part of that. And how long was it between your first dahlia that you bought and you started hybridization? How long did it take for you to make the leap? 
Um, I'd say just a couple years because mm. people in our Dahlia Society were doing, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just give it a try, you know, and it's pretty easy to do to kind of save seeds at the end of the season, but I, mm. I had a lot to learn and there really wasn't a book out on how to do it. And um, even though we had experienced people in our Dahlia Society, I didn't realize that you needed to get like your singles out of your patch unless you enjoy just growing singles because the bees will visit them so many more times and every single one of your seedlings will pretty much be a single. I, that's what happened to me for two years. And then I'm like, okay, I need to learn more about this. And then I started hand crossing probably year three. Um, got my first, got three seeds my first year, two of which were nothing. And one was uh, K's cloud, which is a large. Oh, wow. Blue. So I sort I really lucked out because there were only three seeds that year, and <laughs> one of them is K's cloud. I don't, I don't know how I did that. Beginner's, beginner's luck. That, yeah, it was beginner's luck, and it got me really excited about hybridizing. So, um, and then the next year I hand pollinated, and I had trouble getting the hand pollination going, and then I feel really lucky because my sister-in-law is a plant breeder, and she's like, okay let's do this together. Let's, I can help you, you know, understand this a yeah. little bit more. And I was able then to um, really, really understand where the pollen needed to go, you know, what time of day is a good time to pollinate, um, mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, I, well, I was covering my dahlias, the ones I was hand crossing, but, um, you know, there, there are lots of um, sort of tips that she gave me. Um, you can save your pollen and dry it out and then use oh, wow. it, you know, things like that, oh. that I didn't really realize that you could do. And she was, she's really, really inspirational for me. And still, I called her this week. Okay, what about this? <laughs> so it's Every nice day to have school someone day. You, you never stop learning yeah, these exactly. things. And so, um, so we can get an idea of your kind of like climate, because we have people from, I mean, it still blows my mind, but all around the world. You've had your last frost, haven't you? Have you? Yeah, pretty much. I think next week is considered our last frost. And we haven't had frost here for probably a month but mm -hmm. you know you always have to be expecting it probably like you guys do too it's mm -hmm. like it's warm for a week and then all of a sudden it gets cold again mother nature likes to surprise us mm. yeah i do put my plants under it's called row cover here mm. or mm -hmm. you, what, you, what is it called cloth? frost frost cloth yeah, yeah. i put mm -hmm. that that over my dahlias until it's pretty much i i took it off yesterday so i'm bold pushing it a little bit but <laughs> I, it doesn't the weather looks really good for the next week so i'm not concerned yeah. Yeah. and what are your kind of like summer highs what sort of temperatures do you get we rarely get over 100. I would say our average temperatures are in the 70s. Wow, that's still pretty warm. To 75. At, and then we mm -hmm. do get some hot days, rarely over 100, sometimes into the 80s. In fact, last week we were 88. So it's hard to tell sometimes with the weather, but we typically get fog until about 1 o'clock and then the sun comes out. So it's kind of, the dollies kind of like that. They grow super well in San Francisco and we're about an hour south of San Francisco and they get more fog than we do. And the Dahlias are just beautiful up there. If you ever are in San Francisco, you should go to the Dahlia Dell in um, Golden Gate Park and see mm -hmm. their beautiful dahlias there. Um, the colors really shine when you get a lot of fog and kind of overcast weather. So you guys must get some really nice colors. Don't you get a lot of fog and rain? Um, not so much fog, but yeah, we're, we're familiar with rain. <laughs> and cloud. Unfortunately. And gray skies. 
and gray yeah, so skies. Your colors, your colors must be really beautiful because you know sun can really wash out colors. Yeah, I think that's why like the UK always looks so green in pictures because it's always so overcast. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's with um, climate change. Obviously, we're seeing warmer and warmer summers and less and less rain. Actually, this has been a really dry winter for us. I've had to water the tulips this year because there's just not even been enough rain to to sort them out so it's it's getting it's changing but yeah i mean i i always i i just love the colors of the dahlias whatever the weather really i i remember listening to one of your podcasts that you love pink so do i (laughs) (laughs) yes number one color absolutely yeah my friend jan who i who works with me in my garden all the time she's like christine no more pink You can't have enough pink. There's no such thing. I I know. That's what I say. There's just so many shades. I know. And they can kind of go into peach too, which is beautiful. Yeah. And I I do not object to that peachy salmon, coral, all the pink zones. I'm loving them all. Hey, Nicole, let's be honest. You don't always love the peaches. I heard you kind of have a few orange now too. Oh, yeah. Do you you ever grow the... The little palm pond dahlias, like Winky Lambrusco. Oh, we don't have that one here, but I love the that Winky ones. That is the ones. best name I've ever yeah. heard. Sorry, say I that one I'm more a... time. Winky Lambrusco. I think oh I got it from Halls of Hedon. Hedon. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, so guess you she's adding to her order tomorrow. Mine haven't come yet. Oh, Nicole, you, what, you're going to buy an orange, are you going to buy an orange? Well, I mean, I'm Googling it now whilst we're talking. It's, okay. it's like one of the smallest ponds, so it's just a little pop of orange. I mean, <gasps> well, I know look, I'm buying if, it. Uh, sorry, one second, Sarah. If Christine tells me to get a dahlia, do you think I'm going to disobey her? <laughs> just let's be clear. Queen of Dahlias told me to get Winky Lambrusco. It's coming home yeah. with me. Hauls ahead and they're getting a phone call tomorrow morning. It'll look Emergency really pretty order. with your with your orange that you just recently bought. <laughs> yeah, I've got some kind of different ones like Copper Boy, which is, you know, in that orangey zone. And then I got one called Brown Sugar, which is kind of a dark mm-hmm. orange. So I haven't gone to, you know crazy although i did get one for my my garden for a pot called totally tangerine like i just lost mm-hmm. it and just went all out orange are you feeling okay i know totally tangerine is lovely to- and i thought do you know what i'm just gonna bloody get it and decide for myself i'm worried you've hit your head yeah i'm, I'm growing brown brown sugar for the first time this year we can compare and i'm excited because uh, i'm hoping to hoping to hybridize a brown dahlia that's my goal one of my goals oh. so i set up some hybridizing goals and one of them is to is to go into the brown because um typically you know um at the dahlia shows and and the american dahlia side they're really about really pure color and um mm. they don't like the co- the complex colors that a lot of designers and florists really like i'm trying to do brown because I think that would be great. Like, mm. there's a rose called Coco Loco. Oh yes, guys, mm-hmm. those look so beautiful with um, people's skin, skin colors. Mm. Yeah. And at the um, start of this season, we had India from Vivain talking about irises, and some of her varieties that we loved the most were brown. And I found myself saying to myself, I don't know why I never wanted a brown flower before. Yeah. But I want this brown flower. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think they. It could be really popular, and it's sort of a color that's not out there in dahlias. But you know, brown sugar is getting 
a little close to that. There's one called High Sun Tan. That's um, kind of an orangey brown. I think I think it's it might be hard to muddy it because I was reading in a book um, that was published like 50 years ago and they were trying for a brown dahlia too. So oh, I don't you know. Could if it's first. even possible. You could be yeah, the first. Could, could be fun to be the first, but uh, that would be fun. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm just gonna stick to the the mo- mostly pink with a couple of different ones. I think what swayed me is I um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but you get to see so many different things on Instagram that it kind of opens you up to think maybe the thing that you really hated is actually something you want to give a go. I don't know, it does something to your brain, doesn't it? When you keep seeing the the orange ones. Like I saw this picture of somebody, it was a French grower, holding this massive armful of Sandra and Sylvia. I don't know if you have those ones. One is like a hot pink and the other one's a hot orange. Oh, wow. And I was just like, why do I love this so much? Nicole, this is fruit salad. All these years, Nicole gives me (laughs) rubbish, sorry, swearing, (laughs) for loving orange and pink. And now here she is acting like it was all her original idea. No, no, it's not my original idea. I've been, you've worked (laughs) on me for so long. You've broken me. You've finally broken me. But I'm I'm keeping, holding back reservation until I've grown Mm. them and seeing them with my own eyes we'll see i think that's good it's it does seem like a lot of dahlias have a yellow undertone in them Mm. for sure and and i know that some designers just really don't want that in the dahlias that they're using say for a wedding or an event they'll just say you know i i'll take that one as long as there's not any kind of yellow undertones there are people that are really kind of purists when it comes Mm. to yellow too so because I'm growing this year, um, I've tried to get it for the last two years and have either had the wrong tubers or something's happened to the tuber. But um, breakdown, breakout, breakout. Sorry, yes, breakout. Yeah. Yes, and, I uh, love breakout. And that's got that gorgeous, like almost cafe au lait type coloring, hasn't it? But that's got that yellowy undertone in the middle. Yeah, it's 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 okay though, I think, because the designers all thought that was okay. And my friend Jan is pretty careful about the yellow too. And she's like, oh, that one's beautiful. It's kind of a short plant though. So I always plant mm-hmm. it on the ends of my rows because oh, it can it. get kind of overshadowed by any of the ones that go to like four or five, even six feet tall, some of the varieties. Now that's funny. You think with such a big flower, it'd be a big plant. Yeah, we have that song. Do you know that song, Break Out? No, it's called Freak Out. (laughs) I'm going to be hearing that now. (laughs) Yeah, so now every time we say Break Out, we're like, Break Out. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's another one I'm really excited about seeing this year. Going back to the hybridising, I mean, talking about the yellow actually and hybridising, are so many of them with the yellow tones, like I'm not really very scientific, but is that like a dominant gene in dahlias, those kind of reds and yellows and oranges? They always want to come back if they get half the chance. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an easier colour to hybridise for. You know, the the harder colours are like the burgundies Mm. and the reds, actually. Okay. So you've got whites and yellows that are pretty easy to hybridize for, and then then all then it goes into oranges and reds, and then to the burgundies. Those those seem harder, but you know, just it's it's not that difficult difficult to get a burgundy if if you're crossing you know say two burgundies together because there's a lot of genetics for burgundy in those two. But it, it wouldn't be uncommon to get a yellow out of that cross either. Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> yellow 
always wants to come back. Yeah, yeah. Dahlias have four times the amount of DNA than we do. So they have such variety. I mean, if you think about all the forms, there's like 21 different forms. And uh, most, most flowers don't have that many you know, petal shapes, different petal shapes. So you've got dahlias that look like daisies or cosmos Mm -hmm. to ones that look like cactuses with the little pointy, pointy Mm -hmm. petals to, you know, the informal like cafe au lait that it's just kind of like a bad hair day kind of flopping all around (laughs) to the formal decks that formal decoratives that march back, all the petals march back kind of really in order and all the way to the stem. You know, that just shows how much diversity there is in the genetics of dahlias, which is fun when you're hybridizing and also somewhat frustrating if you're hoping for a formal decorative and you're getting, you know, all cactuses from the cross that you made with two formal decoratives, which means they had <laughs> they had cactus in there too somewhere. Uh-huh, so yeah. it's, it's kind of fun. It's like Christmas every morning when you wake up when your seedlings are blooming because um, they're ones that aren't out there in the world, ones you've never seen before. And I usually let them bloom at least five times or more. And then if I don't like them, then I, I usually remove them. I love how ruthless you are with removing them. Oh, no. I live for those videos on your Instagram. You do? I love them. I love that you just, because I was like, how do you get so many in without them like taking over? And I saw you have them in the nine centimeter pots in the ground. And you're yeah. like, look at this one. It's It's got this wrong with it or it's flopping. Yank, chuck it on the side in, into the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I was doing it's that. It's so and brutal. I love it. <laughs> people people are like, "Oh, don't do that." You know, so then I'm like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't shouldn't do oh, that on no, Instagram." Carry on. Oh no, I, I love it. <laughs> you do. Oh good. Okay, I'll do it more. Um yeah, you have to get rid of like 95% of what you're growing. I mean, it's just how it is. I mean, they're mm. beautiful. A lot of times they work really well for um for like uh, does even for designers and florists and but if it's not part of your hybridizing goal or where, where you're hoping to push the color you know and there's already say a lot of oranges out there that kind of look like that I mean it wouldn't mm-hmm. be make sense to necessarily introduce that one yeah, yeah. you don't want to create another orange ball shaped daily do you, you, you you're looking for a, a different one or a stronger yeah, sure. one or a slightly better petal shape or a more floriferous one because you could have the most beautiful one and you get like three every week and three flowers yeah. every week from it and then then it's not worth it mm-hmm. do you grow miss amara like i love that one the color is just beautiful on it but i i think i got like six flowers all season oh no <gasps> that's no, f- uh, no throw it in the ditch <laughs> yeah i know i but as a hybridizer i'm like that color is just amazing how can i who can i cross it with to get more more bloom count right to mm-hmm. get that going and um but maybe hopefully save the color because the color is just beautiful that's a so shame. sometimes i do that my my sister-in-law says well try it for like three years and then then give up on it if you can't push mm. it in that direction so i'm like okay i'll try that <laughs> so i'm trying this amara this year <laughs> well, fingers crossed okay well getting to the hybridization obviously we can't go into as much detail as your wonderful book which we will talk about later but we do plan on interrogating you just like a little bit well maybe a lot about your hybridization <laughs> um and so we firstly wanted to sort of ask so like what would be the first step is it planning your breeding patch or yeah, you would probably want to think about your hybridizing goals. So, mm-hmm. so like Nicole might say, well, I want 
a pink dahlia. Mm. I haven't seen a pink dahlia in a palm before that I really like. You know, Mm -hmm. there's only two out there and and they really don't really match what I would picture a perfect pond to be in my bouquet. So you might, you know, start by um, doing some hybridizing goals. So set some Mm -hmm. goals like, like maybe a palm, pink palm. So what does that, how do I do that? I would get the best, closest pink palm and maybe try to cross it with another pink palm to see if I can get a different color. Or if you have a pink palm like Winky Lambrusco, it's <laughs> it's a very kind of a very orange palm, but it's really, really petite. But you want to do a light orange, you might want to cross it with a white because a white like, I don't know if you have little snowball or um, Bowen. Oh, yeah, I think we've got little snowball. Yeah, so um, you could cross those two and that might might kind of pale out the orange to a, to a better color that you'd like to work with. So those are the kinds of things like I'm thinking about when I'm crossing. It's sort of a, a crapshoot in a way, whether you're <laughs> going to get what you want. Um, but you just keep trying. Um, hand pollination, you get a little closer to your goals as opposed to just letting the bees, you know, pick whatever pollen willy-nilly. But that works really well. They're very efficient at their jobs. They probably visit the bloom a thousand times where if I'm lucky, I will do the same cross three times on the on, on my cross. And, you know, it has to be the, the weather has to be just right. It can't be wet and dewy because then um, the pollen won't be effective to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually watch when the bees are out like, oh, the bees are out now because our weather, we've got the cold morning weather. So really afternoon is best for me to do my hybridizing. So those are kinds of things. that. So you would start with your hybridizing goals. Then you would probably bring in the, the dahlias try to shop for the ones that would best suit your goals and then if you really wanted to push it quickly you do hand pollination if you were happy to get whatever you would let the bees do the pollination Mm. and then um, that's that's pretty much it simply well when you first started did you have a goal or were you just having a little play to begin with your first year yeah, the first couple of years, I just let the bees go willy-nilly uh, in my patch. And the problem was I had singles in my patch as well. So I had like a little snowdrop, the ones that look like daisies or, mm. or cosmos. And their their centers are huge. Like um, there's so much pollen in there. The bee doesn't have to crawl into a petal. He just lands right on the center, picks up a ton of pollen on its its legs, and then just goes and spreads it through the whole patch. Oh, I was all really its ugly open faces everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what you're going for, it's like great. But um, if you're going for a fully doubled, you know, one that has a lot of petal count that goes all the way back to the stem, um, you're going to need to remove those from your patch before you allow uh, the bees to do the pollination, if that's what you want. Because mm-hmm. uh, the first two years, I got 90, I got all singles, and it was really frustrating. Hundreds of seedlings planted and taken care of, and then they were all singles and it wasn't what I was hoping for so that was I was sort of um, naive and new to it at the time mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot and there wasn't really a book out that kind of spelled it out either and you had to learn through your Dahlia Society which was a was a good place to start but um, a lot over the years and um, learned that you know taking those singles out is is a good good plan if you're going to let the bees do it if you're hand pollinating you could have a lot of singles in because you're protecting your your uh, bloom with um, those organza bags or, you know, some kind of bag that you would put over so the bees can't visit the bloom at all. So are you bagging the ones that you're particularly wanting to cross now? Yeah. So I'll bag, I'll just, I'll just put the bag over like three blooms on the, on the plant. Um, You know, you might have to wait weeks before the pollen showing because you want to bag it when it's, when there's no, 
Mm. No center showing, no possibility for a bee to get in there. So um, sometimes they're just green buds when I when I cover them. I mean, sometimes a little bit past that point because there's still no pollen and no bees can get in there. But um, typically, yeah, I, I wait and um, and bag them at that point and then wait for them to bloom. And then I have an idea of what I'd like to cross. But what's kind of tricky is the pollen has to be ready when you want and your um, stigma or the other one that you're crossing to has to be ready at the same time, which is kind of tricky sometimes. Bagging a few helps and then having a plan B is always good. Like (laughs) if, if these two aren't ready, well, let's see who's ready. And maybe that would be a good cross too. I like that. I feel like in my head, a lot of your life feels like a game show. I feel like with the whole like just ripping them out if they're not doing it for you, you should run it like a, like an X Factor segment. Like, you know, you've not made it past the judges' houses, you're out. And then now this final part sounds like a dating show, one that I would love to watch personally. Yeah. Suitor B is entering the room. Suitor A did not work, but yeah. Know, option number we, two. We, we say... Uh, Bloom A is visiting Bloom B. Oh. You know, <laughs> they've got like a visit it. going on. <laughs> going on a date. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're hand pollinating, I think I know what you mean, but just to be clear, you're are you going in like with a paintbrush type method yeah. and extracting one and painting onto the other? Exactly. Yeah. So, so there's the. What happens um, is the center shows the pollen parts. I mean, on singles, you can have like a hundred, hundred potential seeds in it with, with the potential of a lot of pollen, where say like with palms, you might have the potential to have three seed in there. So, so you have to take the pollen with the paintbrush, close that bloom up after you've taken the pollen and bring the pollen over to the one that you want to cross. And the stigmas look like a Y like this. And you have to paint the pollen right on, in the middle of the mm. Y. And, and that way, um, when, when looking, the stigmas are looking like this, it means they're receptive to pollen and ready. So you have to look for those kinds of things and try to place the pollen in the correct spot. Nerve-wracking, it sounds like. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty. Like I'd be worried I was going to drop the paintbrush, or you know, that happens. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to you have to keep the paintbrush clean. So then after you make that cross, you have to clean it, mm. and then oh, yeah. and then otherwise you could be spreading pollen you don't want to the next cross that you do. I mean, I have multiple. I have probably thirty paintbrushes, so I have a a dirty cup. It's like COVID, kind of like a dirty pen and a clean pen. (laughs) And is there any particular, obviously you're waiting for the flowers to be at that right stage, but do you find there's a better time during the season to do the the crosses or can it be any time the flowers are open? It it really can be any time. And that was something I didn't realize that you could start pollinating and uh, hybridizing with your first blooms. Um, mm. It's easier in the in the later part of the season because we have less sunlight and the blooms um, have less petal count and they pop their centers mm. more readily. And so um, it's a good idea probably to kind of do both, I okay. would say. Hedge your bets. Mm-hmm. And do you, are you using, um, you said earlier, you know, you, you're kind of picking the varieties to kind of get the right color or shape that you want. Are you, are you usually using bought varieties or like your own established varieties or are you using ones from the new seed patch? 
from the, the new seedlings, Pat? Right. I, I do both. I do both of what you said. Um, a lot of hybridizers just tend to keep hybridizing like against their own varieties, which can be good too. And I do that. Um, it's called crossing back or um, sib crossing. Um, and that, that can be really good to do. Um, you can kind of push a trait a little little farther but if you do it too much you can get inbreeding and so inbreeding depression is is an issue with flowers too there's just too much of the same genetics and then you're bringing along some of the bad genetics like Mm -hmm. um, let's say weak stem you know like a like a a plant that just doesn't grow well because inbreeding depression can cause some issues with the plant Mm -hmm. just being not as vigorous as it would normally be with more mixed genetics. I always like to bring in sort of the best representation. So if I was doing like brown, you know, you would you would look out there and see what kind of close to brown dahlias there are. I might have one that I'm working on and I might take that that brown dahlia that's someone else's and bring it into my patch and then cross it with the genetics that I'm working on because um, mm. it's better to, to bring in some new genetics um, at least from time to time mm. to, to keep yeah. that from getting the inbreeding depression that you might get. That's so interesting. It sounds like you've had to get quite into the science of things. Yeah, I have, and and I'm not a science person. I was a <laughs> Me neither. Art, art major, Me neither. art major in college. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the love of the colours, not so yep. much the science. <laughs> yeah, so I've had to learn a lot about that, but it's it's fun. Um, like I said, my sister-in-law is a really good teacher, and she's made it simple. And the Dahlia Society, the people that have been doing it for a long time, they're also really good at helping you to understand the basics. You don't have to understand, uh, you know, do some crazy math problem to do this. It's, <laughs> it's really something you can, you could let the bees do it. At the end of the season, you could cut down like all the, the blooms that you don't like, anything with yellow, any singles, uh, you know, uh, variegation. I usually take that out because it's sort of a common, you get a common trait with variegation um, and laciniation where the tips are split and then the variegation is when it has multiple colors in there like splotches of colors so i usually take if i was going when i go to do my open pollination at the end of the season i take i cut those plants down to the ground and then i remove all my blooms and then let the the plant produce blooms again and then then i know that i've got kind of a clean slate and that these are going to be good and i call it um open pollination with culling so i've pulled (laughs) out anything that i don't want i mean like a color i don't want a form i don't want Mm. you know so then that's a really good way i think if people want to do hybridizing it's a Mm. great way to do it and you you won't have sort of wasted your blooms if you're say selling them to florists and all that um you know just at the end of the season when you're done you can just do that and get some really I think if I did, if if I didn't like doing hand pollination, which I do, that would be like a perfect option. Yeah, one of my friends just took took his whole patch down to just two 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 dahlias and had had the bees just cross those two. So that's like hand pollination, really. Oh, cool. So that you could you could do that at the end of the season. That sounds like the kind of level I could do with the number of dahlias I've bought this year. That sounds like something I might do because I only have three coming. So maybe because I. There's only three options and they're all pink. So Nicole, you're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, you don't even have, you can just let the bees do it unless yeah. your neighbor has a neighbor close by has a bunch of yellow dahlias or something. Um, admittedly, actually one of them is of short pot variety. So maybe not actually. Yeah. That'd be sad. They'd all just be like little mini babies. Mm-hmm. Could but be. Mm, how close does the 
to the dahlias need to be that the bees could cross-pollinate from? It's like, if I, if somebody else has got some dahlias near you, how far away should they be? I don't know. I used to be a beekeeper in, a long time ago, and, <laughs> you know, they, they say bees can fly up to two miles. Yeah, that's so, what I thought. They're like uh, my industrious little yeah. things. But typically they kind of go from dahlia to dahlia to dahlia but you know and fly or flitter around you know you really can't guarantee that I mean Mm -hmm. if one of them flew to your neighbor's yard is 20 feet away and then came to your yard then that could could mess up your uh, Mm -hmm. that's why you need the bags the bags are really good Mm -hmm. but it's a lot of work too I probably spend two or three hours every other day doing it so oh wow it's you have to have to have a commitment for a, a fair amount of time unless you're just doing a couple but I'm kind of doing my whole patch, so this is your <laughs> a lot of walking. Your your business, your life, isn't it? Doing this, whereas a lot of people who are just doing it on the side might just want a bit of fun rather than trying to create the next. I was going to say chaos cloud, but mm. <laughs> that was an accident yeah. for you. That one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lucky beginner's luck. <laughs> beginner's luck for sure. So you said how much time you spend doing them. And I think you mentioned like how many dailies you have, but I know you're growing to sell to florists as well, aren't you? So how many have you got on the hybridizing patch versus how many you've got on the selling side of things? Right. Uh, Probably a third to a quarter of my patch is um, in like whites and uh, mochas, you know, the, the, the the colors that florists really really like and and you can sell every single one of them we can there's sort of a flower shortage i don't know if it's the same there but mm-hmm. you know again. because because of covid like um they a lot of the flowers aren't coming in in time for people to use and so they're they're looking for more local supplies and so mm-hmm. um last year we were able to sell like every single one of our blooms wow. so we had wow. florists in town we sell to and then mm-hmm. um there's a flower mart in san francisco so we sold to a company there that um designers and florists could buy from the flower mart up in san francisco that must be so mm-hmm. nice to know your flowers are being used like in amazing situations as well it's so fun to see them in these amazing bouquets because mm. um i i really love to grow i've never really been trained in how to um arrange flowers in general but my, i'm lucky because my friend jan is really really expert at it so i get to enjoy it because i watch her create but um i just love the growing part that's mm. for me, the fun part have you got anyone to help you there? I've seen another lady in your videos. Is that Jan? That's Jan. That's yeah. Jan. I thought I recognised the name. See, I, yeah. I sound like a stalker, don't I? A little bit. I'm sorry, Jan. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Jan's my really good friend, and she just loves flowers, and she just loves helping me. She just helps me. Oh. And then my friend Iris is another good friend, and we all met at the Dahlia Society, and so they just. She, both of them but Jan in particular comes three or four days a week just to help me oh wow and then I have a guy um, Narciso that really helps me with some of the heavy lifting so I have and then that's that's pretty much it and then in the summer when it's time to cut for florists and things like that we usually bring on um, a couple more people to do that yeah because that's a full-time job the cutting yeah that was pretty four days a week we were doing wow it's takes four days because we do we cut and then we put it into our cooler and then we sell them the next day. So they get they get a little bit of a rest before they go out into the world. 
Um, sometimes we cut them the same day and they pick up the same day, but um, not so much. Mostly we, we cut them the day before. So it's about four days a week, pretty full time doing mm -hmm. that and then hybridizing as well. I'm still recovering from the fact that it sounds like two of your helpers have flowers for names, almost. Iris and Narcissus. Jan. Oh, Narcisso, yeah. <laughs> Narcisso, right? Iris yeah. and Narcisso? Yeah. I mean, you I should know. start a band with your flowery people because... I know. Right? What about Jan, though? Um, Jan can be the head of the band. <laughs> What's Jan yeah. short for? Janet or mm. Janice. Get your mull on that one, Sarah. Yeah. I'll let you know when I come up with <laughs> yeah. a suitable nickname for Jan that puts her yeah. in the flower gang. Yeah. Mm. Good idea. So does that mean three quarters of your patch are, are hybridised seedlings? Yes. Wow. And how many plants do you reckon? Because that's a lot of nine centimetre tubs. Yeah, I would say um, anywhere like 15. No, well, the hybrid. So, so what happens is the first year I will put the seedlings into the four inch pots the smaller pots and then put them in the ground right next to each other and then you see me pulling them out the ones I don't want but the next year I grow them three three of them and I spread them out 16 inches apart the next year oh, so, I give so you've them got more like a room. first year section a second year section and you're doing it like that then a third year section I might grow like five to ten so it's it's mm. when when you have a lot of lot of hybrids it takes up a, a fair amount of room in your patch but the colors that i like to work with a lot of them work well together so um they can you can sell them easily they're not colors mm -hmm. that that designers and florists typically don't want they're usually all colors that they want and what is your naming this isn't pure nosiness what's your naming yeah. system in these prior stages do you have like numbers and letters or are you calling them, you know, like the Sandy Boy or something? Because that's what I would do. Yeah, I, you know, I, I can't remember numbers that well. And so, mm -hmm. but for the first year, you do have, um, you do give them numbers the first year because mm -hmm. there's so many of them. Pretty much right away, I like any ones that I really like, I get like to give them a name because, um, you know, to think of 22-103, um, <laughs> to have numbers like that in my head, but it's much easier to call it Kay's Janet's Joy. And, I, and then it... <gasps> Like that one was named after my sister-in-law, Janet, who's the hybridizer. And, you know, she loved that one. So I'm like, it? okay, I'm naming it after you. So then it's easy for me to remember that one. Sometimes I it, it brings up who the parentage is too. So if I'm crossing with it, I don't have to look it up in my book. Like, who was that one from? If I can, if I can put a, you know, something on it to mm. remember who the parents are, then I won't, you know, do inbreeding accidentally, mm. uh, you know, if I don't want that. And the KAs, obviously your initials is what you're starting each one of them with. And and that, I guess, is to, A, you know, make it really clear, but also so you don't accidentally name it the same as one that's already registered. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Both those two things. And then there's a classification book for the American Dahlia Society. And then all your hybrids get listed together. Because um, sometimes, like, as a, because I show the flowers, too, at, at Dahlia shows, sometimes it's frustrating, like, you, you have a hybridizer that you really like, but then they name, they don't have a, you know, a front, like, KAs or mm. CG or, 
you know, people like Clearview or something like that in front, and you're just not sure who the hybridizer is, and it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to look it up and figure it out, you know, so it's it's a way to make it kind of simple. So if you like a certain hybridizers varieties and, and they all start with, say, Clearview, then you know, like, those are all Clearview and you like what you've gotten mm-hmm. from them in the past, you like their colors or, or whatever, then you can just kind of shop that way too. It makes it a little easier. Because it's going alphabetically, right? Oh, in there? Yeah. So all mine are all together in, in the classification book. So all the mm-hmm. KAs. Yep. It's alphabetical. Yep. And you're going to show as well. That's exciting. I, I love a, a Dahlia show. Are you breeding them to make specific show quality Dahlias then as well? Because obviously a florist Dahlia and a show quality, they have different things, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would. And so I do do both. So I started out in the sort of the show world with my dahlias and now realizing that certain colors weren't represented. So I started doing hybridizing for designers and they're like, you know, it's better if the flower doesn't go all the way back to the stem. It's easier for us to use in the bouquet. It's nice having florists kind of give me feedback. The florists and designers give me a lot of feedback. They're like, this is perfect. Don't throw this one away (laughs) because this is a color we want and it may not have petals that go all the way back to the stem, but that's good. That's good for us too. Mm -hmm. But if I was going to show it at a dahlia show that it wouldn't make it to the head table or you know to be best in Mm. show or anything like that because the the rules for the american dahlia society are very clear on to what makes a good dahlia so i know that so like when i do go into shows i i wouldn't bring say Kay's mocha maya um, because it's sort of looks like cafe au lait it's not very deep it has kind of mottled color in it the American Dahlia Society would say, no, that needs to be pure color. It needs to be a pure oh, orange. It needs but it's to be so a pure dreamy. red. But it is a dreamy one. Sad. <laughs> yeah. So that. So the, I like to. I like to design or hybridize for both because mm. um, I. I think it's fun to be part of the American Dahlia Society. Yeah. They're really doing a great job in pushing dahlias forward. But I. I see that there's kind of a big need for people to design for the designers and and florists because there Mm. are some colors that are missing. I'm really excited that so many people are hybridizing these days Mm. because um, the florists and designers have amazing color skills that they use every day when they're putting together these beautiful Mm. bouquets and like for weddings. And I'm I'm really excited to see what they'll come up with, too. And I'm glad Mm. that so many people are are giving it a go. I think if I was going to do one, I'd try and like, I'd really like a, like a really purple one. I know you would think I would go pink. I've, I've got a thing for purple flowers at the moment and I'd really like one, you know, you can sometimes get like a lilac-y one and then you get those kind of maroony, burgundy ones, but that have got that real blue hint to them. Like, do you have Downham Royal there? No, I don't have that one. It's like, um, it's, I think they do that one on Halls of Hedden as well, but it's like a real, it's got such a blue tinge to the burgundy, like you can kind of see it underneath the petals. And I think if you cross that one with a, like a pale purple, could I, could I end up with the purple dahlia? Who knows? Maybe this year we'll have to give it a go. Yeah, you should. I mean, just try with two that you have in your garden and see what happens the next year. It's so fun to grow seedlings because... They're something you've created and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how Cafe Olay and all of them started were from seed. So, Mm. you know, it could be the next, like you said, the next perfect purple dahlia. What would you call it? What would I call it? Oh, goodness. Nicole's Daydream. I need to give more thought to that. Nailed it. Oh, I'd be really narcissistic and call it Nicole. Oh. Because there isn't a dahlia called Nicole, which upsets me. 
You've yeah. clearly oh, you checked. Should. I enjoyed. There's this. one called Sweet Nicole, but hey. I didn't like the color of it, so I want like a pure a Nicole. But we'll see. I was gonna say, and you're not always that sweet, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I need to work out my prefix. You know, this is a this is a whole. You know, more thought needs to be given to this, but maybe I'll have a play this year. I honestly feel like we could talk to you for a hundred years about this hybridization, but I don't know that everyone's going to want to listen to a hundred years of us grilling you. <laughs> but it's probably a good point to know that you know once you've done the crossing, there's a whole other section that comes next, isn't it? Around you know harvesting the seeds, the right time to harvest them, and your book is the ideal place to find that information. I th- I think because you've got lots of pictures and you know, handy tips on how to, you know, how to do it. Because it's not just as, it's, it, they're weird, aren't they? The dahlia kind of heads when they're right to. Yeah, they have to be on the plant about six weeks before they're, the wow. seeds are ready. So you have the flower, it opens its center, the bees come along or you hand pollination. And then once that's done, then it needs to kind of cure or, you uh, for six weeks on the plant. So if you mm-hmm. cut that off, the seeds, even though they were pollinated, they wouldn't get mature. They wouldn't go to maturity if, mm-hmm. if you didn't leave them on for six weeks. So that's somewhat tricky sometimes if you are hybridizing at the end of the season because you get a lot of rain, you could get frost and kill the plant. If the plant gets killed because of frost, uh, the seeds will also not make it. Because that's so, one of your videos that I liked as well for its grossness, like the juicy ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah and and not all of them are viable so you know 20 to I, I would say maybe 10 10 or 20 percent to 60 percent are viable but there's a high percentage of non-viable seed that just don't mm-hmm. have they never got pollinated they they still made the seed cover but you know when you start them for pollen to wake them up and to get them to sprout they just don't so you end up throwing quite a few out And they look like they would be absolutely rammed full of seeds, the size of them, you know, but there's a lot of chaff in there as well, isn't there? There is, yeah. Mm. And you want to kind of clear that out. And you're doing all of that by hand, aren't you? You don't have a fancy machine. No, I do it all by hand. I don't get that many seed from hand pollination. I think this year maybe I got a thousand seed. That's not that many compared to, Mm. you know, like Florette and what she does with her her machines that, that clean all her seed it's so fun to watch that i'm like wow that is so cool you could watch it over but, and over again couldn't you it is yeah, a, it's yeah, a genius machine that and it's got some kind of like funky name hasn't it yeah i can't even remember <laughs> the chaffer meister yeah 240 or something that's what i would call it personally <laughs> i think it's called like the whistler or something <laughs> weird like that but anyway i have a question um, oh before you ask I your think... question Oh, no. Are you asking the question? It's not that question. No, it's not the question. Okay. Okay. We're not there yet. (laughs) Um, But prior to the question, I've got a terrible question. And that is, if you could pick a favorite of your varieties, what would it be? Well, it it really depends, like, what's blooming in my garden at the time. (laughs) um, Kind of a newish variety I really like. And if you like oranges, K's Blood Orange. I do like Mocha Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm, I, I, it's, everybody asks me this and it's just so hard. Um, it kind of depends what, it, what I'm going for. Um, mm-hmm. If you like red, K's Cardinal's really nice. Uh, Bella Luna's really pretty. It's a white formal deck with a little blush on it. Papa John was, 
in the trial gardens this last mm-hmm. year and it won the Daryl Hart Award, which Ooh. is like the top award mm-hmm. in the country for a large dahlia. It's with an A size. It's informal. It's really kind of a, a creamy white. I love I love that one. And that's a new one. Ooh. It's kind of your latest the one. The frills on that thing. Sorry, I'm Googling as we're talking. That is so frilly. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. Very informal. It's really pretty. And what's fun about it is like sometimes designers don't like to use those giant ones because, um, you know, it's hard to put into bouquets and things like that. But they use them for those big arches, you know, the flower arches. And so they like those big dahlias for that. And those those tend to do well, like better than Café Olé. Café Olé is a little more particular about the weather and Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't seem to hold up that great in sun and things like that. Not that dahlias you know, do super well in sun once they're cut. It's it's a nice one, but the, the blooms come down in size. I don't know if you've ever grown large ones, but mm-hmm. and noticed as the season goes on, yeah. they come down in size. So that one's really nice size to use in bouquets once the season is done. So I like that one. Snow Joe pumps out the blooms. I love um, that one. K Snow Joe. And then um, Cafe Mauve's a new one that is um, working on some reverse petals so the petal has a different has a cream on the front mm. side and a kind of a lavender or mocha or mauvey color on the other side it kind of almost raspberry color so oh, that, that one's amazing. really kind of fun it part of, it has some genetics from cafe Olay and so it can be kind of perfect at times and then mm-hmm. kind of wild and a bad hair day at other times so i really like champagne as well as yours ka's champagne and the other one that i really like and i was interested to know if she's your grandma ka's grandma sib that's my mom. Oh, your mom. Okay. That... That's my mom. And I said, Mom, it's your turn to name Adalia. You can name it whatever you want, you know. And I thought maybe she'd name it Sybil is her name or Kay Sybil. But she goes, I'm Grandma Sib. So I go, okay, you can you can name it Grandma Sib. I love so she's that. She's a great grandma as of last month. Too, so she's... And that's such she's, a cute yeah. picture of her on your um, on your website of her holding them. She looks so proud of her dahlia. I know she's really proud. She's like, oh, and I'm sending it to the to the trial gardens this year, so she's all excited. Like, oh, I wonder if it'll do well because Papa John is named after my dad. Oh. He passed away when I was like 21, so I'm like, oh, I got to name a dahlia after him. And so um, she's like, well, you named one after dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. I want to name one after you too. Guilt tripping you. I mean, anytime you want to name one, Nicole. I'm here for it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sarah's like a great option. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. No, I do sometimes like Mocha Katie. That that one, one of our florists came in, and I'm like, I don't know if I should keep that one or not. And she's like, No, this is the colors mm. that we all are looking for. You have to keep it. I go, Okay, I'm keeping it. I'm naming it after you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And my yeah. other last favorite one, and just for its sheer size, is Ka's Khaleesi yeah that is nuts the size of that thing yeah when i first saw the bud coming off the seedling it was three inches across i'm like are you kidding me and then uh, my son and i were watching game of thrones together i I wondered if that's where it'd come from yeah and he he and i said well it's your turn to name a dahlia if you want he goes oh we should name this one khaleesi like blonde yeah white color right color and so People are like Khaleesi, but if you watch if you watched Game of Thrones, I was you know. there with you. I was there. <laughs> mm, love it. But yeah, so many great varieties. Have you got your eye on any this year that you're hoping to come back well? I do. I've got a, like a mocha ball that's Ooh. kind of the cafe au lait color that I'm really, really hoping will mm. make it. And I have a pink 
really light, light, light pink ball that I like too, because those light pinks are so pretty, right? Can't get enough pink. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm looking forward to those, and I do have a lot of second and third year seedlings I'm looking at and watching. So, um, hopefully, I'll put them up on Instagram and everybody can see them. You tell me, I like Exciting. that one. I don't like that one, <laughs> but those two I'm super excited about. I just hope they do well the second year. Sometimes you have it in your mind that they're a lot better than they are, and then you grow them. You're like, mm. why did I like that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got one last question before we give the listeners a little bit more information on where they can find you. This is Sarah's question. Go for it, Sarah. I actually thought for a second that you were going to do it. That was really exciting. I mean, I don't know what would happen if I asked the question. I feel like I'd be in a lot of trouble. No, do it. Come on. (laughs) This is your time to shine. I can't. I can't. The words literally can't come out. You can't do it. Okay, I've said it approximately. How many episodes have we done? Like 75 times? (laughs) If you could give our listeners one piece of advice for the coming um, summer season to come, what would it be? Um, I think what's really helped my dahlias quite a bit is growing a cover crop. Do you guys have the weather that you can ah, grow cover crop? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. In the fall, when I cut my dahlias down and take them out and divide them, mm-hmm. then I immediately put in a cover crop, and it's a nitrogen-fixing cover crop. It's got five different mm-hmm. seeds in the cover crop, so it's like got mm-hmm. bell beans and different vetch and oats. And that gets in, and then what it does is it feeds the biology in the soil and... Mm-hmm. So all winter, and if you get rain, you don't have to water it at all. And it grows to, you know, four feet tall. I weed whack Mm -hmm. it down, cover it with a tarp. It's called oculating. And then um, all the biology comes up and eats all the the little pieces of green that you've weed whacked down. And then when Mm -hmm. you pull it it back, you've got this perfect soil, no weeds. um, And then it's been, all the biology has been fed. Because if you feed your biology in your soil and you get your soil really healthy, that is what is going to grow your plants really well and that Mm. was that was sort of an aha moment for me maybe like eight years ago when I Mm. I used to till and then I stopped tilling and I just do do the um, no-till now with the cover crop and that if people tried that a friend of mine said oh I don't know my dahlias go pretty well I go just try it on one row and now he's just completely hooked he he does a cover crop every year because his dahlias just look that much better so I think that's a that would be if you have the energy and the time and you know your garden is such that would be um a good thing to do if you if you can I'm trying to think of something else that no I think that's great advice Okay. I think that's great advice. Sarah's been going on at me about cover crops for I don't know how long, so... I'm always ahead of the curve, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So if the listeners want to find out a bit more from you, your Instagram is a wealth of information. It's Santa Cruz Dahlias, is that right? And Cruz is C-R-U-Z. And if they want your book it's called i'm gonna get this right we've written it down dahlia breeding for the farmer florist and the home gardener is that correct that's right yep and it's available on amazon in most countries in the world and if you can't find it on amazon you can download it on the kindle app thank you yes oh that was thank um, you. that was impressive sarah please <laughs> yeah. uh, stalk our guests you've got like Never. a sales spiel going there uh, do you sell the book as well directly can they get it from your website I don't sell it directly, no. I mean, if if you were in town or something and I was having like a pop-up sale, like I had a pop-up tuber sale, I usually put my books out then, but I, I don't do that. I, I It's just a lot of work, you know, mm. collecting 
that yeah. the, the credit cards and shipping things out and you've got dailies to tend to not books of shit yes yeah <laughs> i know i do, i just don't have a big crew so i working every day yeah. myself so and um, you've got you've just done a little daily sale haven't you Mm-hmm. Do you, and they're not like a regular thing that you do but you do have other farmers in the u.s that grow your varieties for, for selling don't you yeah stonehouse is the biggest biggest one and she grows cuttings so you get you get sent little plants oh, cool. basically mm-hmm. and then there are other people that are have gotten the varieties and are now you know propagating them and selling them as well and then I'm obviously asking for a friend, but are you ever likely to start stocking any growers in England? Just asking for a friend, not for me. So. Yeah, I don't really know how to do that. <gasps> okay. Well, maybe maybe we need to start investigating this as a possibility. <laughs> but it's it, I I feel like it comes with scary certificates and uh, yeah, mm, some and paperwork, and treatments, mm. and goodness knows what else. But maybe one day maybe one day we'll work it out christine and we can become your your uk arm of ka's dahlias <laughs> yeah i saw i saw k's cloud in germany so Ooh. got there somehow Ooh. yeah well you never you never know i mean i don't want to say anything that's going to get me into trouble but maybe one day you could be seeing a ka variety pop up here <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> they get around somehow <laughs> well thank you ever so much for talking to us today christine we've really enjoyed that and like i said i honestly feel like i could just grill you all day every day but before we let you go i feel like we do need to give brian a shout out as well because i've been following brian since he joined instagram and i I, he doesn't even put his name anywhere on his instagram he just calls himself christine's husband but uh, his instagram is dahlias please and I actually find it really interesting because he's done some like little sciencey lessons on there explaining some of the stuff behind Aww. the dahlias. So get yourself over to Brian's Instagram as well, listeners. Yeah, he loves doing all that part. You know, he likes putting me up in my pajamas and things like yes, that. Yes, I saw I was that a couple days ago. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. As only a husband could get away with. yeah so well thank you so much for having me on this is so much fun i just love talking about dahlias and love talking to you and can't wait for your next podcast well not the one for me but the next guest (laughs) thank you so much thank you it's outro time thank you so much for listening and for your support we are loving this season so far and we hope you are too If you love the episode as much as we love doing it, then we would be so grateful if you left us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also subscribe and you can find us on Instagram for more of our adventures at Let's Grow Girls Podcast. We're really grateful having you here listening to all of our interviews with our amazing guests and we hope that you carry on enjoying the rest of the season. See you next week. Bye. Bye. You sounded really far away when you said that. You sat back. Yeah, because I didn't want to shout at our people, you know.